Not that I can think of. And then, Greg, if you can get situated, it'll make less noise. Hmm. I'm trying to... Oh, you're right. I'm trying to plug this thing in. How about... Just this, then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm using my phone because my laptop has the worst camera ever. Mm-hmm. All right. How about this? This work for you? It works. Excellent. Significant, We're good, then. Significantly less rummaging of noises. Perfect. That's the important thing. Kids these days, you know, they don't listen to stuff with rummaging. No, they don't. Beautiful. Okay. Well, then let's rock and roll if you guys are ready. Ready. Boom. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock Metal Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris, and today on the Rock Metal Podcast, we have a trillionaire. They have a new album called Romulus, which was released on January 29th via Nefarious Industries. Right now, I'm being joined by Greg and Renee to share some more information about this release and about what the guys have got going on. So, Greg, Renee, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Absolutely great to have you guys on. So take us through this release. I was just doing a bit of more research because I read the write-up that I had received, and uh, there's a lot of information there. So take us through this release of Romulus. What is this album that I'm now holding in my hands? It's uh, basically... It is the culmination of like, I don't know, probably like six years of work of, uh, you know, six different people, (laughs) uh, half of whom are no longer uh, in the picture and involved in the project. Uh, And uh, in fact, I'm not even on the record uh, itself, though I am involved in the band and putting it out. Um. And, uh, yeah, some, some, uh, you know, elusive characters, uh, on, t- uh, you know, on top of that, because, uh, Andrew and Phil who have heavily contributed to the record aren't uh, able to join us. Um, so, you know, we kind of have the, uh, the side parties right now, <laughs> uh, available for this call. <laughs> As far as the inception of the band goes, I was also a late addition. You know, the the record had been completed instrumentally before I was even a thought. Okay, and how how did you get involved then, Renee? Uh, Phil had hit me up uh, around 2016, thereabouts, just to... I knew him through when he toured through Europe, I knew Andrew as well, just uh, through mutual friends and parties and things like that. Um, I had heard through a friend that there was a band of people that I knew that were looking for a singer. And and at the time I was in between my own projects, figuring out what I wanted to do. And I talked to Phil on the phone. He sent me, I believe it was Golden Goat, and with that, I just put it into my Ableton and created basically what you hear on the record. So that was that. Wow. 
Huh. Was anything from the demo actually used on, on the record? I know sometimes that happens. Uh, as far as the... What I got to record on top of wasn't the demo. It's the record that you hear. They had already recorded it and basically mixed it. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I uh, had no say in any of the song structure or anything. <laughs> basically, it was the palette, a canvas, and not a blank one that I was given to work. <laughs> How did you... Did you enjoy that? Like, did, were the lyrics and the melodies already there, too? Or did you have some... No, it, uh, nothing. Uh, I did enjoy it because it was extremely challenging as far, you know, I'm a songwriter and I usually write my own songs from scratch, you know, in the, in the typical manner of uh, accompaniment and lyrics. But um, no, I just, I guess I just splurged onto the, what was existing there and I guess my instincts were close to what they had in mind. I didn't do too much changing and when they asked me to change it, I kind of pushed and I got my way most of the time. Um, <laughs> so uh, lyrically, it was just a, a very fertile period of time for me. It, it, it just came out. I must have had a lot of creative energy just bubbling under the works because it, it I had finished the eight songs within a month, I believe. Wow. So it just it just kind of flooded. Yeah. Do you mind delving into either what was going on or what these lyrics are about? Like, is there a concept or a theme to the record? Hmm. Definitely not uh, a thread. Not not. It didn't come into uh, existence as a as a concept. I mean, a lot of my lyrics are going to lean towards some kind of fictional dystopia. Uh, I tend to start just scatting, you know, Bonawanu, you know, made up words, and then if a lyric kind of comes out of that, I'll go back and see, okay, what, what does that evoke? And then from there, I just start writing. Okay, cool. Now you mentioned you use Ableton. Um, I guess take us through that. Are you, do you mostly like EDM type stuff or is that just your DAW of choice? And uh, with that, how do you use that platform to help you be creative? Uh, Ableton's amazing. I, I was never a, gearhead at all uh ableton was given to me by a, a friend said you should learn how to use this software it's pretty user friendly um which is key if i'm going to be able to work with it uh, edm no I, I don't no i i do mostly acoustic and then a lot of like cross hybrid world music with glitchy the sonics involved it's as far as the stuff that i do yeah um ableton I mean, it's it's the world at your fingertips. It's 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 difficult to not do too much. So, uh, I think after the initial becoming familiar with the software, it's a it's a war of attrition and cutting away the stuff that you don't need. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. So you mentioned that the first track, potentially anyway, that you had worked on was "Golden Goat." From what uh, you remember, 
Did that then set the tone for the other seven songs that you were working on? Like, did that really set the fire? It must have. Uh, I know that from Golden Goat, it went quick to 25 because they were excited with what I was doing. So I just started saying, give me the next one. Give me the next one. Uh, and you know, I don't write, you know, let's say if my dog died, I'm not going to write a sadder record than if, if, you know, my dog didn't die. Um, so it's just where my my aesthetic goes is always going to lean towards the dark. It's just easier for me to, to conceptualize that way. So, uh, uh, yeah. You know, it's interesting. And maybe it's because I just finished watching the John wick trilogy. When I saw the artwork, I immediately thought of John wick. It's the swords, man. It's the samurai swords. <laughs> the, the swords. The based on my life. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Who is Romulus? Because I figured it was uh, a story about a guy named Romulus, but it doesn't sound like that might be the case. Romulus is the uh, the mythical founding king of Rome. Uh, the Romulus, the, the story is that Romulus and Remus were twins that were uh, raised by a wolf, and then eventually Romulus killed Remus to found Rome. There's a whole bunch of other stuff involved with it as well, but uh, I didn't come up with the title. I just loved the gravity and the, the weight of a name like that. Uh, Roman mythology, Roman history is always something I've been fascinated and interesting in and read a lot about. And just uh, as far as an impact statement, the word, the name uh, encapsulates a lot of what we were going for, I think. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I guess in uh, Distillation... What were you guys going for, and did you nail it? That's, I can't answer that question. Because uh, <laughs> I don't know what they were going for. Um, and as far as if me nailing it, that's up to somebody else to, to decide. Uh, I, <laughs> I would imagine that we were going for a, a more theatrical, larger... Uh, enormous kind of vocal sound as far as the harmonies goes and conceptually some kind of uh, image or mystique to it. So if we got that, great. If not, it's something that we're still honing in on and, and tinkering with. Mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, the, and obviously saying this as someone who did not take part in the writing of it, <laughs> but I feel like uh, the goal of the record was to create just something massive and opulent and just like something you know to present something in a way that hasn't been done since like at least in all our minds like since like like queen or some shit and um i I think they achieved it you know it's a it's a grand undertaking sonically and visually um and also I, i can speak to the visual element because i was uh already part of the decision making process when we were like deciding how to put out the record the format um and the art concepts and so you know enlisting an artist like josh graham like totally sealed the deal because it provided the like the visual counterpart to the sonic heft of this album mm-hmm. 
Suspended so. in light? Is that Josh? Suspended in light? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm on his website right now. Fantastic stuff. He's amazing. All, all praise is due to Josh Graham. Uh, his vision was essential to what we came up with. Mm-hmm. And, and Greg, you mentioned something something that hasn't been done since Queen. You mean like a, like an opera or just the fact that they layered so many tracks to make one man sound like a choir? <laughs> uh, it's sort of like all of the above. Um, it's, you know, it, it's hard to speak to it except from like my own points of view as basically like a fan brought into the fold after a lot was already completed. But yeah, just sort of like um, the, the darkness, you know, the darkness of these motifs without, you know, so without like all of the sometimes cheesiness that comes along. And I don't know. It's like, I don't know how to put it into words, but just, uh, um, and also, yeah, like, uh, the sort of, um, absolute next level, um, performance and, um, musicianship and depth, like the, the, the depth of the parts and the writing and the layers, but without, um, in my opinion, without obfuscating or overcomplicating what at the core are like still accessible songs, um, I think the time will be the judge yes. if we're cheesy or not, because I don't think Queen thought that they were cheesy at the time. So, <laughs> well, that's the, well, that's something I made a note about cheesiness, because definitely this concept that we're looking at here, everything from you know the name to the artwork to the to the music, could have been cheesy. Even right now, I could have opened up the email and said, "Nice try, guys," uh, <laughs> you know, but. Instead, I was like, very well done. And Thank you. I, yeah, and I, I think that's kind of a, almost one of my questions for debate is, where is that line between cheese and good job? <laughs> I don't think there is one. I think it's uh, in the beholder. If, uh, if you believe in what you're doing and that's your sensibilities, then you know, it's, it's up to someone else to, to say it's cheesy. You know, that's your... If you bleed by it, you die by it, then uh, it's certainly not cheesy to them. You know, someone uh, like, like uh, the darkness or something where, where you're like, this has got to be tongue-in-cheek or, or even Def Leppard, but no, they're dead serious. <laughs> and so I think that you need to come to it on their terms and then make fun of them behind their backs. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right on. Exactly. Um, immediately when you said Def Leppard, I went to... Uh, you know, and then layers upon layers of vocals going, but but it sold records. Chicks dig it for some reason. Sold so many records. (laughs) Uh, Cool. Now, Greg, something that you mentioned was uh, you're kind of involved. You're brought into the fold. Uh, Take us through that. How did you get involved? So uh, I've known Phil for a long time, uh, I used to do merch for Revocation like back in the day when he was still their drummer. And um, so we basically know each other through like mutual friends through the music and touring community um, that, you know, rather small world that it becomes. And um, 
uh, same thing uh, with Renee. Uh, we kind of met, you know, in the past, uh, uh, like on various. Like I've I've met Renee a couple of times, uh, completely like unrelated. You know, one of those things where like you're in completely unrelated times and places, you run into the same person. You're like, oh, you know these people too. Um, a lot of that, and um, basically. Uh, when Trillionaire needed to flesh out a full, like a real band to begin performing and to actually like create a presence because there was none, even though the record had been completed for quite some time. Um, they had uh, hit me up for, uh, to play bass, basically to play live bass. And, uh, we, we began rehearsing. Um, and at that time, like actually I, I declined the first time because I was already committed to a whole year of touring. Uh, I was playing bass with tombs at the time and then, um, you know, kept circling back and, um, you know, so we started fleshing out the live band after already, after some of the other members had departed and, uh, you know, then that took us down this road of, uh, together planning how to release this record and to do it justice, uh, almost sort of resurrected because the band was no longer the same shape and form that it had been on that album. So how to, you know, how to uh, put this out and continue, you know, as a, a unified group, you know, continue creating music together that uh, without basically feeling like the band is no more because of this huge member shuffle. And I mean, it turns out that, uh, I mean, it was a challenge, but uh, the core of what I consider to be like the core of the band's sort of like, you know, not 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 their sound, but just like, it's not like I'm trying to discredit the other, the performances of the other members, but like, these are the personalities that are going to keep the band going, you know, Phil, Andrew, and Renee. So I'm just uh, stoked to be part of it and uh, on future albums. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. And then Nefarious Industries, is that you, Greg? That it is. Okay, so how, then, then, so you've already got that going, and then you thought yeah. that you would help out the guys with... Yeah, they were shopping it around to, you know, other uh, labels, and, uh, you know, we just live in a tumultuous time between, I mean, recently with this pandemic, and also in general, the, the shape of the music industry is changing. This was a brand new band with no history except for the affiliations of its of two of its members you know uh uh andrew and phil andrew formerly of ken mode and inter arma and um so you know nobody was biting uh i think it's a challenging sound to back on only the reputation of like you know those guys metal bands so we were like hey let's just do this like we needed to put it out we needed to uh they needed to put it out they needed for it to be you know to close the book on romulus so that we could all move forward as the band we are now (laughs) (laughs) well and from a record label standpoint a brand new band with no history you said nobody was biting because that's that's risky isn't Mm -hmm. it yeah that's my bread and butter dude uh bringing you know uh the most unmarketable music i can possibly find to you know the the masses and by the masses i mean 
whoever actually pays attention to nefarious industries. But, you know, I think it's working. I think uh, <laughs> we have, over, you know, the label's been around for a decade and we have, you know, we have a following of people, of fans and music listeners who appreciate and understand uh, that we're going to throw at them what we think, you know, is awesome and what we fully back, uh, you know, without question. And it's been an exciting uh, and, uh, you know, diverse journey. Um, and I think, you know, Trillionaire fits into that fold. Everything on Nefarious is dark and experimental, and Trillionaire is absolutely that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just looking at the roster right now, just as a side note. Psychosomatic I chatted with one or two years ago. Mm-hmm. So... Definitely some good stuff, and I think it fits there for sure. And also, as well, it looks like you guys are releasing quite the um, the immortalized versions of the record. There's vinyl, for example, yes. another another pricey move. So it's a band with no history, <laughs> and and releasing it on vinyl. Greg, <laughs> you, you can't you you just can't put this out into the world without like you know allowing it to make its mark. You know, we wanted people to behold this album, not just have it or listen to it. I mean, it weighs, you know, <laughs> emotionally and physically. And uh, it just needed to be this regal product. Also, uh, with under the art direction of Josh Graham, I mean, you know, we had to really um, we had to stretch the budget a bit to, uh, to really present it in the intended way. And I'm, I'm happy, you know, I'm happy I own this record. If no one else does. <laughs> <laughs> if nobody else does, there's always one in the chamber. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Uh, Renee, which, what's your favorite song? Do you have a favorite song on the record? Uh, probably Golden Goat. Well, yeah, Golden Goat or uh, Northern Lights, just because of the... How epic they were to write, I'd say. Um, uh, I, they, yeah, no, they. I, I have different days. Any day, I'll have a different one. Though I have my least favorite, which I'm not going to mention. But uh, other than that, they're all my favorite. <laughs> what was it like working on a song and trying to get these passionate, awesome vocal takes when you probably weren't really feeling it? Oh no! I, I, it doesn't matter. You can bring me a saxophone solo and and a pig making oink noises, and I'll do my best. Whatever it is, I will. I will put my my own taste aside and say, "This is what I can do for this." So it's it's a matter of craft and work, you know. Like the, uh, whatever it is I'm working on at the time, whatever it is, I will put my best foot forward and give it all my effort to the point where I don't know if I love it or hate it. So then it's it's up to afterwards. But now, with hindsight, I know which song I like least. Okay. True. Spoken like a true professional. Um, right. Sweet. Okay, maybe this question is more for Greg, maybe kind of like a mixture of the two, but something that was mentioned was the music industry today, especially after being uh, ravaged by last year, and it's continuing, obviously, into this year. Uh, what's the plan for... For this year, maybe if there is a plan. Um, who knows? Uh, before I get into, that, I'm going to pull a totally amateur move and <laughs> make sure. Oh, Jesus Christ! 
make sure my phone doesn't yeah. die. Yes, my son. Idiot. There we go. Um, so I would say that, uh, you know, so sort of on side note from that, you know, the way we've been able to respond, uh, including this release, uh, to something like the pandemic and, you know, the shutting down of live music and, um, et cetera, is that, uh, immediately became completely viable to put out a record, uh, when in the past we were, you know, we may have been holding off to make sure that a band can tour, play shows, uh, create a presence, have merch to sell. I mean, so it's intense to like, uh, embark on that journey knowing that you're not gonna be able to do the those things which you consider as like the basics of you know recouping expenses creating a presence you know the the basics of our job is to like play shows and spread this music around and we can't even do that so um but you know last year for example we put out the psychosomatic and titan detachyon's records and they did they sold really well because, you know, just on the reputations of those musicians, the label, everything, all, all things put together. And, you know, had those bands been touring, it would have been even better. So um, to be able to, you know, with Trillionaire, it's the opposite. Um, there was a lot of pressure to make sure that we can back this up live. And um, that was taking time. And as soon as uh, this pandemic hit, we were like, hey, let's put this out. Let's put this out right now. People need to hear this record while we continue to work on the live incarnation of the band. So it did give us the, the freedom to make that choice unencumbered by, you know, what might have, you know, the, there might have been some repercussions or it might have been felt premature. Um, going forward, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's anybody's guess, but I think the industry in general or artists in general are responding to this by just embracing stuff that was always important, but is now at the forefront, like, uh, you know, just content, video content, connecting with your audience, exploring anything else you could be doing, um, you know, as a, as a perform physically performing artist, whether it's, you know, music or otherwise. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Makes sense. If there's anything I've seen over the last year, it's uh, taking the time to make a great album. And it's not that bands aren't taking the time to make a great album, but there's more of a focus on getting the album out so we can get on the on the road as quickly as possible. But now that that's not an option anymore, it's, well, is there anything we missed? And then coming out with something that's maybe sonically a little bit better or arrangements a little bit better or the artwork is a little bit better because um, there isn't that rush to get out on the road right and like taking taking the time to uh fill out whatever other things that might have been gaps before that were um you know uh that were like put on the back burner because other things take priority things that are happening now are taking priority now you're able to for for many people you're able to sit back and um focus on some of those things uh it's kind of like hitting this pause button i know not everyone feels that way but for me it's been like hitting this pause button allowing me to catch up on a whole lot of stuff that would have just been 
forgotten or who knows, you know? Um, so that's the, the positive side. <laughs> yeah. It's the great reset, Greg. It's all a conspiracy, but thank you for Dude, 2012. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, well, boys, we've chatted about Trillionaire, the album, the recording, working in Ableton. What didn't we chat about? Your favorite pizza, maybe. Um, but I think we covered a lot of ground. Is there anything that I missed that you guys wanted to chat about? Shrimp. I don't know. Shrimp. Pizza. Pizza. <laughs> shrimp on pizza. Are you a shrimp on pizza kind of guy? Mostly. Mostly? More like a shrimp and prime rib? No, like, uh, I'm just into shrimp and pizza. Oh. Not necessarily together. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. What's your favorite pizza then, Greg? I'm a, I'm a plain, I'm a cheese pizza man. You know, like, it, if the cheese slice tastes good, that's all I care about. I like mushrooms, too. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, you know, when you're putting stuff on the pizza, you're obfuscating the, you know, the, the true product. Mm-hmm. The true joy. Mm-hmm. This is a fact. Because there's only really three ingredients, the, the dough, the sauce, and the cheese, and you got to be able to taste those without things getting in the way. Right on. If you can't get those right, why are you making pizza? You know? mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And since you, you mentioned you're from Philly, that everything you're saying makes sense right now. I'm from Jersey. Whoa. Okay. Live even in better. Philly. So like even even deeper, you even, know, into that yeah. pizza territory. <laughs> Boom. Okay. Yeah. So then your mom probably makes really good gravy too, right? My family's Russian, so no. She oh. makes really good borscht though. <laughs> okay. Borscht, she pilmeni. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pirog. Fantastic. Athlichna. Sweet. Athlichna. Where do you know some Russian from? I took Russian in school, and I went to Russia for a little bit while I was in school. So I picked. Hell yeah! Yeah, awesome. Vote we should up. be pen pals. I need somebody to practice my shit. <laughs> <laughs> what did you go to Russia to do? Just to, to chill, or were you studying something in particular? Uh, studying just Russian. I was just taking, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, classes on Russian language in Russia. So it was a little summer program in uh, Saint Petersburg. I went to. I think it was St. Petersburg State University. Uh, nice. And then took the train down to Moscow and went to the Moscow Humanities University or something. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Did you eat Did you eat at uh, Kroshka Kartoshka, the baked potato joint? <laughs> I don't remember. It was a long time ago, but I had a lot of very amazing food, a lot of ice cream because the ice cream there is like full fat, Ice cream, it's so good. It's not like the crap we mm. have here in North America. Oh, yeah. It's like legit. Uh-huh. Um, so I was amazed. Sour cream on everything. Sour cream and dill on everything. Even dessert. Even dessert, you get sour cream and dill on it. It helps with the vodka. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. The social rules around vodka. A bottle gets opened, you have to finish it. There's the rules... And then you're just trying to get through it, and then they finally get through it, and they're like, oh, thank God, the bottle's done. But then they, there's like a mysterious portal somewhere. They keep pulling bottles out. You can't finish it, because as soon as you finish, they have to open another one. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. It's, uh... The only time I almost got out of it was there weren't any pickles or bread, and that's the other rule, is you have to chase it with pickles or bread. And so 
this whole thing ensued about trying to find pickles, and then some mysterious yeah. portal opened up, and like some some grandmother's pickles came out. It was like a, a it, human. It will be found, <laughs> but you can buy yourself some time by hiding the bread, hiding <laughs> the pickles. <laughs> oh boy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Speaking of trillionaires, rode around in a lot of BMWs. They have lots of BMWs there. Did you ride in any Volgas? <laughs> yes. They still got those things trunking around. Right? Lots of them. Drinking some Baltica. <laughs> yeah, Baltica Siem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one is for the boys and which one is for the girls. There's rules on that, too. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I probably just stayed away from all Baltica. <laughs> yeah. I think Baltica 3, three number 3, I think it's for girls, and 7 is for boys. Or, uh, they have so many rules. Stick to the vodka. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, boys. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. Great. Thank, thank you, John, for having us. 